I'm Jill Shaw here with Ross Wilson, and you're listening to a special episode of Last Night at School Committee, How BPS Changed the Exam School Policy. On July 14, 2021, the Boston School Committee unanimously approved a new admissions policy for Boston's three exam schools, Boston Latin School, Boston Latin Academy, and the O'Brien School of Mathematics and Science. Now, after the policy's first full year of implementation, questions have been raised about its unintended consequences. School committee members and the public have called for changes to be made to this policy to address these unintended consequences. And at the most recent school committee meeting, Superintendent Mary Skipper promised the following. A few notes on the exam schools. Um, I want to start by letting members know that we're in the process of gathering the information that the committee members requested regarding the exam school task force's recommendations to award bonus points to ensure that all members and the public have the historical context and the rationale of the policy decisions and recommendations at that time. The exam school task force memo should be presented in tonight's meeting. Anticipating tonight's discussion, we thought it might be helpful to our listeners to hear excerpts directly from the exam school task force meetings and the school committee meetings where the policy was conceived, proposed, and approved. Over the course of five months in 2021, the task force had regular meetings and public hearings to formulate a new admissions policy, and much of the discussion focusing on how grades and test scores would factor into the policy, as well as how to provide additional consideration for economically disadvantaged students. The task force began to reach consensus in its meeting on June 28, 2021. First, they announced the eligibility will be comprised of 70% grades and 30% test score. So we are 70-30, 70% grades, 30% assessment. Here is co-chair Tanisha Sullivan explaining the threshold for who would receive 10 bonus points. For students who attend a school that is high poverty, meaning 50% or more of the students within that school are defined as high poverty. The recommendation also called for 15 bonus points for any student who is designated as homeless, living in Boston Housing Authority housing, or involved with the Department of Children and Families. Students who received these points were not eligible for the other 10 points. The rationale for the additional 10 points for economically disadvantaged students had been discussed by co-chairs Mike Contempasis and Tanisha Sullivan in a prior task force meeting on May 25th, 2021. It was to offset what may well be the lack of consistency in instruction across the district, particularly in K through six, but one could also suggest even beyond that. I, it's so if I can just add to that point, I think with the 10 I think it was 10 points. It also, I believe, spoke to, because it was based on, wasn't it based on poverty, socioeconomic? Yes. Um, Right. It was a socioeconomic piece here. And so for schools that verified uh, poverty level is 50% or above. Um, So I, I also think that gets to, you know, one of the, kind of diversity indicators that we, you know, really prioritize or tried to prioritize last go around, and that was socioeconomic. And so by looking at schools where there's a higher concentration of poverty, 
at least, you know, this was Mr. Contrapasis's recommendation, but as I processed it personally, this could also be helpful in addressing the socioeconomic diversity factor as well. Some members had asked if these points could be allocated at an individual student level. Here is Monica Hogan on why that wasn't possible. These state aid programs where the Executive Office of Health and Human Services does what they call a direct certification process where they tell the Department of Education this student's family is participating in this program and therefore we deem this student to be economically disadvantaged. So so the thing is that the state knows but BPS doesn't know. So we get that information from the state. We only get that information, though, for students who are enrolled in BPS. While the task force reached consensus over the makeup of the student score and additional bonus points, there was still disagreement over the mechanism to distribute seats. The debate among members was whether there should be a 20% citywide distribution based on a student's performance exclusively and then an 80% distribution of performance within socioeconomic tiers versus 100% distribution via the tiers. As the meeting concluded, the majority of the task force landed on support for the 100% distribution via tier. Yeah, I could get behind 100% straight rank and tier. Look, if we're doing this, um, I- We're getting this done. I get it. If this is what we're doing, I I too favor 100% rather than 2080, if only because I don't think we want to set up a dynamic where we've got first class and then the rest of of the plane. Yeah, I, I will agree with Mr. Kreger and Ms. Tung. Um, I don't like the top citywide, so I prefer to do the 100%. 100% by tier, straight rank. Yeah, I changed my mind about, I'd okay. rather have 100% rank, 100% rank than 80-20. 100% straight rank? It would be um, straight rank. Co-chair Tanisha Sullivan summarized that the majority of the task force agreed that distribution be done via tiers only. on the allocation of the seats, 100% allocation of seats by SES tier straight rank. Students in SES tiers will choose their seats in 10 rounds with the lowest SES tier or band choosing first, reverse order. That's where we are. At the subsequent and final task force meeting the next day, on June 29, 2021, Co-Chair Sullivan opened the meeting by reminding members that these meetings are all open and public, and then she reopened the debate about the tier system, citing feedback since the previous night's meeting. Coming off of last night's meeting, there has you know, certainly been a swirl of feedback that we've received as a task force from various parts of of the city, right? Various stakeholders. Of course, all of our meetings are subject to open meeting law. As task force members, it's important that, you know, all of our, you know, deliberations are in public. And so I do want to put on the table for folks, again, based on what we heard specifically about the 100% SES straight rank, I do want to put on the table for us an opportunity for folks to to speak to that if they're so inclined. 
However, in this meeting, both co-chairs insisted that due to political pressure that they had received the night before, the task force, which was leaning towards unanimous support of 100% tiers in the previous meeting, now needed to support the 2080 split, 20% citywide distribution based on student performance exclusively, and then an 80% distribution by performance within socioeconomic tiers. We're coming to this space, to this table, to make policy, to make a policy recommendation. That's what we care about. The reality of the situation is that we are doing so in a political ecosystem. Gotta name it. And there are some not so good people out there, I'm just gonna say it, who do not want us to achieve our charge. We cannot be deterred. And so I wanna be clear about this 20% conversation. It is political. And so as I look at the data, once again, it's clear about who this benefits, making it very clear as to why there are those who are so adamant that it must exist. Ultimately, the task force announced its final recommendation at the end of that June 29th task force meeting. Here is co-chair Tanisha Sullivan outlining the recommendation. A recommendation that is a 70-30 split with, on the mechanism, a 2080 seat allocation straight rank that is inclusive of 10 point bump for students attending high poverty school or a 15 point bump for DCF, homeless, and BHA residents. The same policy recommendation was presented at the following day's school committee meeting on June 30th by co-chairs Tanisha Sullivan and Mike Contempasis. It is important to note, and we are pleased, that the formal recommendation from the task force is supported by the superintendent. Additionally, the co-chairs recommended these stipulations as part of the policy. First, on additional support for admitted students. That there be provided additional or appropriate support, both before and during the school year, for students who are invited and are admitted to the exam schools who might, while, while they may be academically prepared for exam school content may require more time to get acclimated to the pace of the exam school work. On an annual report? We are also recommending an annual report. We would like the district to conduct an annual monitoring of the applicants, the invitees, and the enrollees to the exam schools, disaggregated student group and schools. And on reviewing the policy at least every five years. We are recommending a full policy review at least every five years, ensuring there is student and teacher votes represented in the review process. And on working with an external researcher to look at the policy. We would also recommend that the district consider working with an external researcher to evaluate and understand the impact of the policy changes for multiple cohorts of students 
starting with the 2021 admission cycle. The purpose of this is to obviously provide an opportunity for the superintendent and the school committee to offer possible suggestions if necessary to review and if necessary revise the exam school recommendations. After the co-chairs finished, Co-Chair Sullivan introduced task force members Roseanne Tung and Simon Chernow, who presented a dissent against the recommendation that their own task force was making. Here is Roseanne Tung. Simon Chernow and I present this dissenting opinion tonight based on the task force recommendation agreed to in a supermajority on Monday, which was 100% of seats allocated by rank in socioeconomic groupings. We wrote this dissent in anticipation of tonight's meeting before the Tuesday task force meeting. We appreciate the opportunity to share our rationale and we'll return to more recent events at the end of our statement. Members of the task force have vastly different positionalities and philosophies about education and meritocracy, but we've wrangled respectfully and transparently with options that will increase equity for all families. We agree, we all agree, that our recommended changes will increase the likelihood that students who attend our selective schools will benefit from increased diversity. However, by dissenting, Simon and I urge Boston Public Schools to go further and faster. An oft-level critique has been that the human, financial, and political capital poured into this admissions process is misguided and should be put into improving the other 120 plus BPS schools. Actually, we believe that when the admissions of the three schools become test blind and lottery based, and when all of the students who test well attend more than just three schools, system-wide improvement will accelerate. And here is member Simon Chernow. Our current school systems are fueled by oppression so that those with privilege remain privileged and everyone else is pushed down to the bottom. This system will not be fixed on its own. Purposeful changes must be made and anti-racist policies must be enacted in order to break this cycle. If every BPS student chose their high school through lottery, engaged in authentic project-based learning, and strengthened their own identity in relation to power, we wouldn't need this divisive conversation about just three schools. We also feel the need to address the backroom deal that resulted in a return to a 20% citywide set aside for those who want to maintain the status quo. The data, is, the data is unequivocal that reserving seats for the privileged goes against our charge. When we left Monday's meeting, many task force members felt we had made progress and were close to a recommendation. But last night, as we struggled to make sense of the dramatic shift in our co-chair's tone, we became deeply disturbed by the political pressure to reverse Monday's progress. We were asked to ignore data, to ignore our painstaking process, to ignore Monday night's conclusion. We were asked to throw democracy and open meeting rules out the window. 
After these comments, the school committee agreed to vote on the proposal at its next meeting two weeks later. The school committee reconvened on July 14, 2021 to vote on the policy. However, Superintendent Caselius and her team made several last-minute changes to the policy that were presented to the school committee at this meeting. In the policy presented by the superintendent, 100% of seats would be allocated via tiers rather than the recommendation of 2080. And the bonus points would be allocated to all students at schools that are at least 40% rather than 50% economically disadvantaged. In addition, her final policy proposal said that the policy would be assessed every five years, but did not say at least and did not mention students or teachers as being part of that assessment. Finally, her policy did not include the external review that had been recommended by the task force. Following the presentation of the policy from the superintendent and her team, Vice Chair Michael O'Neill warned that this policy had not been modeled and there may be unintended consequences. I'll give a hypothetical of two students in a neighborhood. One, student A is going to a school that has 39% students of poverty. Student B, a neighbor, is going to a school that has 42% poverty. And now the student in school number two gets the bump up to 10 points and the neighbor doesn't. They're both in the same socioeconomic tier. They're both competing against each other and it may make it challenging. I'm more concerned, quite honestly, about the unintended consequences of parents may start to choose schools that way. Now that would be probably a couple of years down the line, but I just get nervous when communities feel advantaged or disadvantaged. Member Ernani DeRujo then tried to push the superintendent to provide simulations and clarity around the changes that had been made by the superintendent and her team. These were not provided to the committee as part of the recommendation that night. I do ask that, you know, maybe before the uh, our, our September board meeting uh, that we get a sense of now when we're going to, by we, I mean, when the, when the district team is going to sit down and actually implement this, that we can make sure that we understand the, the changes that we've made tonight, what, you know, what those impacts are going to be. I think the district's done a great job up to this point with the, the simulations and even actually just, you know, just for me as a committee member, understanding not just the quantitative pieces, but qualitatively what, you know, what certain programs are, what they mean, who's in charge of what. And I think that it's important, as the superintendent also noted earlier, to have that transparency and make sure that, you know, the kids, especially that are going to be impacted by this in the, in the fall, that, that we have that, that we have that in place and that understanding in place of what we're voting on tonight uh, before, uh, before that. Uh, that policy is put into place. The school committee members agreed with this sentiment, and it prompted Chair Robinson to ask if she needed to include a stipulation in their vote that they would review the missing simulations at a later meeting. But Vice Chair O'Neill jumped in and said the committee could approve the policy now, and that it was up to the chair to bring up Member Dearujo's question in a future agenda. Do, do we need to change the vote to include that, or can we... Um, just say that that will be pro forma. My, my, my assumption now, would be. Madam Chair, may I just, um, sure. just mm-hmm. give a, a, a piece of advice on that as the okay. chair, chair sets the agenda. Um, and this is quite frankly, very routine from past task force recommendations and implementation as the superintendent works through implementation. And sometimes things need policy. And 
So I think um, Mr. DiRuscio has a suggestion that the superintendent just said should be glad to. So it, it simply means you just put it on the agenda. At a, we so, put it on the agenda at every meeting. Uh, well, not at every meeting, well, but not at every a, meeting. you know, not, what, I think what Mr. DiRuscio was suggesting yeah. was at a certain point in the future, as the superintendent is working through implementation, that she just, um, you know, you just we put on an agenda item that uh, calls for an update on the implementation plans. Despite the concerns raised and the lack of simulations provided, the committee unanimously approved the new exam school policy, which was different than what the task force proposed to the committee two weeks earlier. A chart outlining these differences is included in our blog. Now, after its first year of full implementation, the school committee is hearing from students and parents about several unintended consequences. And school committee member Brandon Cardet Hernandez, who is not on the committee when the policy was approved, is calling for an amendment to the policy. He's asking that the 10 bonus points be distributed to all students who are economically disadvantaged rather than students who attend a school that is at least 40% economically disadvantaged to ensure the points benefit the students that they were intended to help. Please listen to last night's school committee tomorrow to hear Superintendent Skipper's presentation of a memo that should summarize these same events during tonight's school committee meeting. If you'd like to join tonight's meeting, it is being held at 6 p.m. in person at the Bowling Building or via Zoom. The Zoom link is in our blog. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Last Night at School Committee, and we'll be back tomorrow with our latest recap. Have a great day.